Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and today to discuss Psalm 6 with me, we're delighted to welcome Amy Langle to the podcast. Here at Granite Springs, Amy makes it all happen. And in addition to making sure that ceiling holes get patched and worship guides get printed, Amy is a wife and mother with a wonderful eye for design. Of course, if you know Amy, which I think you should, if you don't, you would know she's also a lot of fun and always refreshingly honest. So I'm excited to have this conversation with her as we look at Psalm 6. But first, here's Amy reading Psalm 6. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? I am worn out from my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be overwhelmed with shame and anguish. They will turn back and suddenly be put to shame. Amy, welcome to Curious Psalms. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for having me here. It is a pleasure. Rumor has it, you have never been asked to be on a podcast before. I have never been asked to be on a podcast before and That's uh, shocking. Who, it's a it's a frankly appalling. <laughs> who knew that it would be a podcast about psalms would be my first podcast ever. That you didn't anticipate that? You didn't chart nope, that out? Nope, it's a bit shocking. However, <laughs> I am delighted to be here and actually honored to be asked. Well, I think it'll be a lot of fun. I was really excited to have you on. We've talked with, I guess five people so uh-huh. far so yep. i'm not saying you're number six you're, it's, this is not a ranking to be <laughs> clear okay. the order in which in which we talk to people but it's really fun to have all different voices getting to have these conversations so thanks we have three questions and they're simple questions and we're just going to talk talk around these questions with respect to this psalm which you just read so beautifully so okay. our first question amy let's get to it is what stood out to you in reading this psalm the psalm about David, it what really came out to me is that it's really filled with emotion. It sounds like it's just, the way it's written is just a terrible time for David. He's looking for mercy. And to me, it reads as though that he has really done something to break his relationship with God. Hmm. This is sometimes, you know, I, I'm not the expert, but I read other people and then I pretend that I'm the expert. This is apparently one of the first of seven penitential psalms, which I had to look up exactly what penitential meant. It's sort of this idea of repenting. So when you say, you know, he's broken relationship with God, that's exactly kind of the place where people have read this psalm over the centuries as responding to that kind of thing. This is asking kind of a follow-up, which is sometimes unfair. When you said it's filled with emotion, what parts of the psalm kind of brought that out for you? 
Um, like in verse number three, my soul is in deep anguish. I mean, how long, Lord? How long? I mean, he. It's yeah. to to me, it is almost self inflicted. Um, huh. You know, turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. I mean, he is. He, it's he's sitting there. You know, he's in, weeping with tears in his bed, and his couch is drenched with tears. I mean, to me, it. When I read this, it just sounds like he is, you know, at at the end. He's he's looking for something, and hmm. it it is all. It gives me a feeling that it's almost prolonged by him. It strikes me that the way you're talking about it uh, is so real, and so concrete, and so contemporary. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We could say that about about people today, right? At the end of ourselves, maybe 2020 makes us particularly acutely <laughs> kind of aware right? yes. or reflective of this, right? But it's so true. We have these kinds of experiences and you don't, you know, we're reading a document that is some thousands of years old right. and yet the experience is so, yeah. is so right there. One thing that I wanted to point out, I mean, he's looking for mercy from God. I mean, that is yeah. what he's asking. Like, don't, don't rebuke me. And I actually wanted to look into what the definition of that is, of what what mercy really is. And what I got out of it is mercy is when you don't get the bad thing we deserve from God, you don't get that punishment. And he is, he doesn't want to be punished. He doesn't want to be, like he just, he just wants to be loved by God again and, and feel better. And so he's asking for this. You know, and and I also, in the same breath, looked up really, I wanted to look into what the definition of grace is, because mercy and grace are connected. And grace is when when you get that good thing you don't deserve from God. So I don't know if you have anything to add there, but I, I just found it so interesting that I feel like he is, he's asking, but almost in the wrong way at the beginning. You know, and then it, and then it, as hmm. the Psalms do, they change, right? It, in in uh, verse eight, you know, away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. It's like something yeah. shifts in him, and then he he realizes that this actually, my prayers are going to be answered. I love Amy that you've brought kind of some research and some some definitions here because I do think sometimes it's easy to gloss over sort of what these words mean. And you brought very classic, beautifully classic definitions of mercy and grace, which I think just helps us enter the psalm more fully. David has a sense that he could be rebuked by God. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going on exactly behind this psalm. That's one of the interesting things and why they're so universal often, because we don't have the concrete kind of moment that drives mm-hmm. it. But I love how you draw us to that to that mercy language there. It's a plea for mercy, right? And then that shift from verse 7 to verse 8 is so interesting because just like we don't know the background of why he's pleading for mercy in the beginning, I read 7 and 8, that shift, and I was like, what What just happened? <laughs> right. Like, it's some, right, right. <laughs> like some, something goes on there. It made me think of the Lord of the Rings movies. I mean, I'm sure this is in the book, so apologies to the people who know the books backwards and forwards. <laughs> but when Gandalf shows up, I, have, you, have you seen these movies, Amy? Or is this just too nerdy a reference? Okay, good. So you'll have some, you'll remember what I'm talking about. When Gandalf shows up 
to like the hall of Rohan and there's Theoden and he's got that Grima worm tongue who's whispering like he's possessed by Saruman <laughs> and he's old and decrepit and then there's this moment where Gandalf kind of casts Saruman out and then his beard you know goes becomes golden and well cropped and groomed <laughs> and he wakes up and he sees his daughter and he says I know your face right there's it feels like verse seven right after yeah. verse seven there's like a Gandalf like moment happening there where suddenly the king kind of straightens up and is like, that's right, God's on my side. I know. Um, well, I, and even before that, I mean, he even, he even, you know, pulled out the, like, no one, no one prays from the grave. I mean, he's, you know, he's even, it's like a, a desperate yeah. plea almost, right? Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good if you let me, Matt. that verse five is like, if you let me die, who's going to praise your name? <laughs> right? I know, it's right? Like right. Pulling out all the stops. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's good. I'm just going to agree with everything you said, and we're going to move on to the, our oh, second question. I appreciate question. that, Matt. Thank you. So our second question as we move ahead, and we've talked maybe a little bit about some of this, but what do we learn about God from this psalm? I think simply put that God wants us to repent and pray for our sins. Hmm. That's what That's what really just came to my mind when I was reading that question. I just feel like, you know, David was praying for so long. And he's been putting his hope in the unfailing love of God that I, I feel like that at that point, that is what, what changed for him. And that's what changed by adverse eight. And then it looks, you know, David sees through his, the prayers because of who God is. And he knows God is a merciful God. And he knows because God will listen to his prayers that he'll be loved by God. And I think once he... I feel like once he shifts that in his thinking, he's mm-hmm. able to get out of the agony he's in and it started, it starts to hear answers. You know, it's, it's like, yeah, a lot of us can't see what's right in front of us because things are clouded. And I, and I think this is an example of that. Sometimes I think we think repentance is just about sort of getting right with God, mm-hmm. but it's as if God knows that our repentance and drawing back to himself is also best for us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's something healing in repenting and processing. And did you just say the clouds kind of lift, right? (laughs) His vision's clouded and suddenly he kind of sees clearly. Yeah, I I love that. I I also feel that if you haven't gone through that before, it's, Mm. it's really hard. It's really hard to see how good that can feel on the other end. Oh, that's well said. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. There's nothing about Psalm 6 that feels particularly fun. No. No. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I can't imagine anyone not being or not feeling how David has felt at some point. Yeah. One thing that stood out to me in terms of what we learn about God is David is asking this of God. He's asking with confidence, but... He knows he can't demand it. Right. So in other words, God God isn't a genie that David sort of shows up and is like, okay, I'm rubbing the lamp and now I demand mercy. There's a real sense that he's genuinely asking God for mercy. Like he's genuinely asking for things mm-hmm. that he doesn't, he knows he doesn't deserve. And I was just, you know, thinking about the ways I pray, the ways I mm-hmm. repent in prayer as well sometimes. I, I was just struck that sometimes it's like, oh yeah, if I just say this, I can expect, like, God's there. 
And there's some truth to that, right? God is there. He's like quick with grace, quick with mercy, as we've been talking about. But also God's completely free. And I think sometimes I lose sight of that. And this psalm reminded me, there's a bit of, there's a, bit of a plea to our yeah. prayer when we come. And we, we can have confidence, and especially as people who follow Jesus, then we can have confidence that because of Jesus and because of what he's done on the cross, we have an extra kind of confidence and access to God's grace. But we do well, I think, to remember God's freedom, too, in the midst yeah. of it. So that's, that stood out to me as well, kind of a, a bit of both, both the confidence and our need to ask and really genuinely ask, not kind of assume what God will do, you know? Right. Right. Shall we move on to our third sure, and I'm final ready. question? I'm ready. Amy, how does this psalm help us to pray? So for me personally, Psalm 6, and I have to thank you again because I've really enjoyed this and I've learned a lot and I've learned a lot about myself, especially about my praying. And, hmm. you know, although I don't want to find myself weeping on my couch and having tears <laughs> sure. every day. I, yeah, I your new couches. Like... <laughs> You're going to ruin your right. new couch. <laughs> I do feel that, you know, Psalm 6 has really taught me or it, it shows us that we should be praying honestly. Hmm. I feel like, you know, we need to come clean to God, if you will. I mean, I... Yeah. Ask God honestly to restore our relationship with him when we pray and, you know, just open your heart when we're praying and and be honest. I mean, I, like you, found myself for years praying and it was, I, I look back now and remember praying about one, either some superficial stuff, you know, mm -hmm. or two, you know, oh, you know, now that I'm sick, please get me better. Or, you know, stuff that was just, I think in the moment it meant a lot to me, but I look yeah, back of course. now and it just was very surface. It was very hmm. surface. It didn't really die. I, I never really dove deep in prayer. And especially being a part of Granite Springs has taught me to pray. And I feel hmm. like I had decades of not even knowing how to pray, really. And then, and then learning these psalms and even with Aaron's music and learning the yeah. psalms through Aaron's music. I mean, that has, that's extremely moving and has really taught me a lot. So, but yeah, this just to be honest, be honest with prayer and, and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to open up. I mean, and a lot of us pray by ourselves and no, no, you know, God is listening. He's, he's there listening to you and it's not like right. someone else is you know, recording you on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> God subscribes, subscribes to every episode right. of your prayers. Yes, yes. It's so yes. interesting, Amy. I think this is, you know, your experience, I think, is so common to a lot of us, right? We think we kind of, in some sense, don't know how to pray. But then the Psalms give us a gift because they teach us how to pray but then we realize that the way to pray is to just be honest, <laughs> like you're saying, yeah. is to just be open. Like suddenly yeah. you realize there isn't actually a way to pray. It's not magic words. It's right. just opening ourselves to God. So I always love hearing your story. And I love when people kind of share, you know, parts of their story here on this podcast, because these Psalms intersect with our stories so beautifully, I think, as well. 
my observation about prayer here is these early psalms, if you've listened to a number of the episodes, there's a strange obsession with enemies. I guess it's not strange because if you have enemies, they loom large in your life, especially if they're trying to kill you. But just over and over (laughs) in these psalms, David is praying about enemies. And it just struck me that sometimes I think if we have something that is looming large in our life, it feels like we need to pray once about it and be done with it. Or if we keep having to pray about it, is God not answering our prayer or what's going on, right? Right. But these Psalms just reminded us that when there's something overwhelming, there's all kinds of different prayers we bring to that. This prayer is a a prayer of repentance that's still related to enemies. There's prayers of confidence that are related to enemies. There's the coronation Psalm 2 that also talks about enemies being crushed, right? So there's all different ways to pray about our things. And we shouldn't expect that when there are these things that threaten to overwhelm us, that we just pray once and kind of move on and are done with it. The Mm -hmm. key, I think, even going back to some of your earlier comments, is that we get drawn into relationship with God. And so, of Mm -hmm. course, we're going to honestly express these things over and over. And that's perfectly normal and perfectly okay. God can handle our repetition, so to speak. At least that's that's one thing I'm taking from this constant repetition of these (laughs) these early mentions about enemies, which sometimes can feel kind of foreign to us. But when I think about enemies as kind of the overwhelming things in our lives, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got a few of those things I can pray about. Sure. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. And you're a pastor. Think about the rest of us. <laughs> well, let me tell you, you don't get a special <laughs> ticket. There's no there's no special subscription that God adds to your prayer life. That's that's oh. one of the things I'm grateful for is fortunately we all pray and we all struggle and we're all at the same level. A pastor just as much needs to say, Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Maybe maybe even more often than most people, I think. <laughs> that's so, so good to know. So good to know. <laughs> yeah. Take comfort. Take comfort in that, Amy. Thank I won't you. go into a full confession here, but I can say that. <laughs> I'm here. So. I'm here if you'd like to. You know, we have we have time. <laughs> once we once we press stop record. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, anything else you want to add about this psalm? This has been a wonderful conversation. No, just thank you for having me and and asking me. And, you know, this job at Granite Springs has just been a true blessing for me. And I had mentioned this to you before. You guys are really taking me out of my comfort zone. And I I actually thank you and appreciate that. So I, I appreciate you asking me. My guess is that no listener listening to this episode would have thought that you were out of your comfort zone. Seriously. It was wonderful to chat. Thank you. The good news is... There are 144 Psalms left, so we will get to talk about another one, I'm sure. Okay. I asked for it. (laughs) Well, thanks, Amy, for joining the podcast. Great to have you on. Friends, know this. The Lord hears your weeping. He loves your honest prayers. So go out and pray the Psalms. Mm -hmm.